1: Co-worker of yours.
5: Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. Well, hello, hello,
4: hello, everybody. We are here. Yeah.
5: Happy Tuesday. You're listening to Let's Go There on Channel Q, where we cover the news of the day. Yes, We've we do. have got your favorite music. We are talking about our lives and the craziness of the world and much more.
4: Oh, I mean, the craziness of the world is right. I'm oh. There we go. I'm sorry. You know, sometimes we have tech issues, and uh-huh. my, my headphones right now are kind of going in and out. But it's just, it's live radio. It's what it is. But Make it um, work. Um,
5: sure, you have some good news. Yeah, I do, and I'm just giving you a heads up. If I act a little weird on the show today, I did get my Pfizer
4: vaccine. Oh, I thought it was because you have a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> I did also go to Ohorinito's event last night. I thought that's really what the good news was, that she... You no, know, I went to, a, I had a
5: safe event, at L.A. Confidential Magazine and Reverie, which is a queer Netflix type yes, thing. Yes, queer, yes, yes, uh, queer Streaming uh, TV movies. And they put together this Faces of Pride event, and so I went uh, with uh, someone I work with at What's Trending, which is a company I own. Girl, nobody whole, yeah, I told you, I'm gonna be a bit out of it. <laughs> What am I doing with this? So we went last night. Anyway, there was hornitos, there was tequila. There was a drink for every...
4: Ditch. She came in wearing the same thing she wore last <laughs> night, and she got her vaccine. I so woke she woke an up and I got like night. one of those texts like, "Yo, our go night." Yes, I could get you a vaccine.
5: Get here, and I did. <laughs> uh, and now it happened. It was very nerve-wracking, though, for me.
4: Yeah, I don't understand that. You say it's nerve-wracking. What was it? Was it? Are you scared of needles? What, no, what's the big deal? I think it was just anxiety of the unknown. Mm, like, yeah, you are like, I don't know all the control. ingredients.
5: Well, I mean, I am sure we can go online and figure it out but there's a bit of a feeling of like okay this hasn't been around for a long time like yeah. that those feelings yeah. start to come up of like am i going to yeah am i m- moving towards my death or something you know what like i putting say,
4: myself in the eye of the storm when i got my shot was um it would be interesting if everyone who got the shot <laughs> all died oh. And then You're not the, the only people have left, that conversation. <laughs> only people left, are the people who didn't get the shot. So who knows? I mean, at well, this that's point, that's what the people who aren't are getting the shot—that's what they think. <laughs> but here's the thing, Shira: at least we have each other. Uh, yep. We will die together. Producer Vanessa still hasn't got her shot, so Producer Vanessa, jump get a part on. of the team. Producer D- Vanessa, yeah, come get on, get a ju- part of the join team. Join the
5: zombies. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, if you've gotten your vaccine, hit us up at LGT Show. Send us a tweet. A, a DM a little picture, maybe. Because you you did
4: Pfizer, I did Moderna. Let her know some of the side effects that you may be feeling, so she can prepare herself.
5: Yeah, I don't know. At this point, I don't know if it's the vaccine or yes, the
4: alcohol. alcohol. So
5: I don't know if this was smart to do this. Anyway, Uh, all right. Coming up in the show, of course, uh, we're gonna be giving you updates from the Derek Chauvin trial for George Floyd's death. That's in 15 minutes with the Washington Post, and we're talking about. And the Arkansas bill with Lambda Legal. uh, But actually, speaking of that, what's trending this hour right now, we all know last week Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson signed Senate Bill 354 an anti-transgender bill that bans transgender women and girls from participating in sports consistent with their gender identity. And yesterday, Arkansas passed a bill prohibiting doctors from providing gender-affirming medical care to trans youth. Today, Hutchinson spoke about th- these anti-trans health care laws. Here's what he had to say.
6: is something that I don't expect uh, would be exercised very often, and it'll be easy for uh, transgender uh, individuals to have the health care that they need, which is what we want. It just uh, gives a freedom of of choice and service for those that might uh, have a uh, a a conflict because of conscience or uh, religious reasons. It's very important that it does not allow anyone to discriminate based upon a class of person.
4: There's oh. something about Republicans saying the word sense. transgender that feels like a slur. Like it does not sound good. Mm. It sounds very offensive, and I cannot stand him.
5: Did you just hear what he said, though? Yeah, I he's heard like, him. "Oh, it, it means like it doesn't mean like they'll always not get the healthcare they need, but sometimes, and it's not discriminatory." It's like, do you even? Uh, did you <laughs> hear yourself? It doesn't make sense.
4: Basically, he was making a uh, a clause for people who don't feel comfortable, and so maybe we should let those people who don't feel comfortable like make. The decision to serve the trans folks or the trans youth out there—it's ridiculous and disgusting.
5: So, Lambda Legal will be joining us for that conversation as we dive more into this at three twenty-five PM Pacific, six twenty-five PM Eastern. Stick around for that. But right now, let's get into some what's trending this. Uh, what's the tea? tea? report. Oh, my God. <laughs> I told you. It's the you.
4: alcohol. It's the no, alcohol. It's, it's okay a though. vaccine. It's the alcohol. So, y'all, Billy Porter gave his 2021 LGBTQ State of the Union. It is time for the tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. He slammed the unabated crisis of hate-motivated violence against trans people and calling on the LGBT plus community to do more to protect trans lives. Here's what he had to say. Another unabated crisis plaguing our country. Hate motivated violence against transgender Americans, particularly Black trans people. According to the Human Rights Campaign, at least 43 trans or gender non-conforming Americans were murdered in 2020, the vast majority of whom were Black. But we must see real, tangible change. It is our duty to hold all of those in power accountable, especially those we helped elect and who claim to be our allies. Woo! I love that. I Billy mean, Gordon. he is so good. He ended the whole State of Union by promising that brighter days are ahead. And if we continue to work towards them together, um, he also finished by saying, be safe, be good to each other, and remember, we will feel joy again soon. And I love that. Yep. Um, if you want to know or listen to more of it, head over to com. You can listen to the whole thing. But guess what? We got some fun news. We do. We big got announcements some big today. announcements. Something you may not know. Um, is that Channel Q is a part of a bigger company. We are home to the industry's most influential collection of broadcast and digital content. Podcast and premium live experiences. Today, something's changing. We're now part of a new brand called Odyssey. Uh, you're going to be hearing a lot more about it in the coming weeks and month. Radio.com is now Odyssey, honey. Hello. So You're welcome. It's really cool, actually. There's a lot of cool things that are happening, so stay tuned. Um, that's your T-Report. I got more coming up next hour.
5: Okay, next up on the show, the latest updates from the Derek Chauvin trial for George Floyd's death. That's next with The Washington Post.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
5: It's the second day of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin's murder trial for the death of George Floyd. And Tim Bella is with us. Morning Mix deputy ep- editor for The Washington Post. Thanks for being here.
8: I How's Hi.
5: it going? Yeah, you know, good. It's really hard to uh, read about this. Of course, yesterday we know they showed the video that we a lot of us have seen at this point, and his attorney blamed the crowd around them for Chauvin's actions. What was the focus today?
2: Well, it was a really hard, really hard day of testimony because uh, the majority of those actually called to the stand today. Were young people actually crowded around Mr. Floyd on that May day? They were praying between the ages of nine and 17. and uh, uh, a handful of them took he uh, stand this morning into the afternoon, and one after the other, after the other, was just totally. Really devastating, honestly. Uh, Says so, um, A couple of them had quoted there on the stand how uh, Officer Chauvin uh, at one point was actually feeling harder into Mr. Floyd's neck over and over again. So uh, just overall, it was a really tough day here on day two.
4: Yeah, it's, it's honestly been so difficult to even kind of um, even be in, involved in like watching any of the coverage or even reading up on the coverage because uh, I'm queer and I'm black and I think it really is kind of triggering, traumatizing. But I, I was reading on the Washington Post's website that a nine-year-old today testified. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why a nine-year-old? It feels like why is he involved?
2: Yeah, well, um, it's... It, 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 it was pretty tough seeing that young girl actually take the stand now i just should note uh uh these on people who did pay yes to they were not identified by their names and not actually shown on you yeah, know the live stream but they understand who they are and hit this nine-year-old in particular it, it was so hard for, for her because it it was short, but when she was actually questioned by the, uh, prosecution today, um, she recalled how, how, when these parents showed up to the scene, they had asked Officer Chauvin, in her words, very nicely to get off of Mr. Floyd. And, um, it's at that point in time, the child saw that the officer was still on George Floyd. Um, at that point in time, the uh, ch- child said that she actually grew sad and actually kind of mad seeing that. So uh, it was by far the hardest watch of the entire day. And I really do feel for that child and their family.
5: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um... I can't even imagine. It's really traumatizing, uh, and obviously creates a lot of impact when you have younger witnesses like that um, taking the stand. Uh, who is Donald Williams, and why is he such an important witness as
2: well? He is. He, he, he's been a critical witness these past two days because Donald Williams is a active MMA fighter. Fixed martial arts, and and according to him, and you can actually hear this on the video itself. He points out how Officer Chauvin, at that time was demonstrating what is called a blood choke, which it in since cuts off all of your air, and and it's very intentional. And um, on you know, the second day of his testimony this morning something really interesting happened uh with the officers eagle team in which they uh, i tried to approach him and and actually paint him as a very angry man uh, uh, um, while, this, while this was actually going on and and it, it actually got to a point where mr williams said you know I tried to be professional. I tried to be in control, but the fact that these officers are non-responsive to George Floyd just made him uh, really mad at that point in time. So it was a really interesting day for Donald Williams, too.
5: Um, well, Tim Bella, thank you so much for joining us for this and for your coverage. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much again. Have a good day.
5: Yeah, you too. Tim Bella is the Morning Mix deputy editor for The Washington Post. Uh, coming up, we're giving you more details on the White House's new measures to counter anti-Asian violence. That's next.
7: Let's go there with Shira, Shira and
5: Ryan. Channel Q. Today, the Biden administration announced a set of measures responding to the rising anti-Asian violence, including deploying $49.5 million from COVID-19 relief funds for U.S. community programs that help victims. They said in a statement that the Department of Justice is also focusing on a rising number of hate crimes targeting Asian Americans. And joining us right now is uh, Dr. AJ. Thanks for being here for this. Oh, hello? Hello? Hi. Hi. Thanks for being here for this uh, story. So what do you think about this move from the
1: Biden administration today? Um, You know, I think it's it's incredibly interesting and I think it's definitely very necessary. And um, I'd love to sort of see the underlying details of any specifics on Uh, When it's talking about community programs that help victims, uh, where exactly it is going to, because um, current uh, the current reporting that's coming out on it, um, it's left a lot. Of questions more than answers in my mind.
4: Mm. Yeah, and I think what's the really interesting thing is that there's still such a difficulty of labeling something a hate crime when it comes to the the legal part of it. And I feel like that's something that wasn't even touched when you're talking about these new initiatives because that's a major part in what we're seeing here. Is like this is a hate crime, and we need to find you know the ways to make sure that we can label it that way, and you know it, everyone's safe moving forward. What are your thoughts?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think one thing that came to my mind, you know, and I'm going to refer back to the Atlanta mass shootings on this is, uh, you know, initially it was thought that it was going to be a hate crime against uh, Asian Americans uh, because many of the people targeted were the majority of the victims were asian american uh working in these massage um, parlors right but then we heard uh about how the victim had or, or how the assailant rather not the victim the assailant had um a sexual addiction and it turned into the mental um illness narrative But at the same time, I think that's deeply problematic because we definitely don't wanna associate mental illness uh, with criminality as an automatic association. There are, it does a disservice to everyone, um, to the millions and the tens of millions of Americans who are still productive citizens, who have mental health issues that they are grappling with without resorting to violence. Mm. So it's exactly to your point, where do we draw the lines of hate crimes because while this may you know while the um while the perpetrator may have claimed that this was about a sexual addiction it was still hate against women it was still you know the uh, the, the, the the perpetrator saying they wanted to get rid of their temptation and instead of addressing their sexual addiction in a clinical way of resorting to violence against a particular group of people. So Mm -hmm. where are the boundaries for that legally? We're not sure yet because these things are still being grappled with on a legal front. Uh, But on a community front, what we do know that Is overall it is extremely harmful and at the end of the day what is undeniable is that there was a mass mass shooting and many lives were lost.
5: Yeah and I think when we look at this beyond even this one instance it's to look at how do we really tackle this issue? How do we tackle it knowing that there are uh, people that want to target Asian Americans, right? And that are racist and xenophobic and sexist and then how do we protect uh,
1: those who are most vulnerable? Absolutely, um, I think you've hit the nail on the head. And the one particular, extremely problematic thing about the anti-Asian um, violence that is happening right now is that it is particularly particularly targeting those who cannot defend themselves—elderly and, and 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 children, but mostly elderly couples and elderly individuals. Um, and there, you know, what are the protections against them? That is pr- something that those of us who are active in the AAPI community, the Asian American Pacific Islander community, we are particularly targeted. Um, you know, that is one of our calls to action is to protect our elders, uh, as well as, uh, you know, uh, five overall calls to action where we are calling for educational reform, we are calling for increased representation, we are calling for um, uncolonized uh, policies across the board, accessible and equitable solutions across the board. And we are calling for increased investments outside of donations, uh, you know, just donations, but increased investments in in the businesses and entities that are founded by historically marginalized community members. Yes, Dr. AJ.
5: Well, uh, this was quick, but you will be back
1: on the show because
5: you are fabulous. (laughs) We loved having you on.
1: Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going. I think right now there's more questions than answers. Definitely. And we'll continue
5: covering this as well. Dr. AJ is an award-winning diversity, equity, and inclusion leader and strategist. Thanks again. Now coming up on the show, many capital riders are probably not going to serve jail time. And are you okay with that? We're going to be debating that next.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
5: So let's get back to those Capitol rioters. Remember them? Many of those who invaded the halls of Congress on January 6th are likely to get little or no jail time. That's the uh, the repercussions of their actions.
4: Yeah, that's like super <laughs> Nothing. frustrating, honestly. Um, because well, yeah. we've seen so many of them already either be like let off with just a warning. Oh, yeah. And it just really shows how this, this country, once again, is just based off of... The uh, survival of white folks, to be quite honest, because that means they can go and completely destroy the capital An insurrection that people, I mean, people actually died. By mm-hmm. way. <laughs> like people died. There was a murder. And, and you're telling me that they're not going to receive any type of um, like Actual actions are like, uh, you know, what's the what's the repercussions for their actions? It's it's absolutely mind boggling to me. But I'm also not shocked. Yeah. According to
5: Politico, almost a quarter of the more than 230 defendants formerly and publicly charged so far face only misdemeanors. Dozens of those arrested are awaiting formal charges, even as new cases are being unsealed nearly every day. And according to this article, in recent days, judges, prosecutors and defense attorneys have all indicated that they expect few of these, quote, mega tourists to face harsh sentences. And there are actually two reasons. Um, Prosecutors, even though they're talking about the fact that it was an existential threat of the insurrection to the republic, the actions of them boil down to trespassing. All they did was trespass, according to a lot of these uh, documents. And judges are wrestling with how aggressively to lump uh, some of the more like the the less um, harsh cases, right? The trespassing cases with the ones of the more quote, sinister suspects.
4: So if they were to, let's say, storm the White House, would that be considered uh, trespassing? If they were to storm any other building, would that be still considered trespassing? I thought the Capitol was a legitimate government building and just like going into that space how they did would cause out to be like downright terrorism. They were are, honestly, I thought that's what they were, domestic terrorists well, yeah. in that moment. So why are they, is it so tough all of a sudden to find out how to charge them?
5: Yeah. And, and this raises a lot of questions because, uh, as you mentioned, you have folks like Biden saying the rioters attempt to overturn the election results by force borders on sedition. You have Attorney General Merrick Garland calling the prosecutions his top early priority, um, saying it was a heinous attack. But yet, oh, a heinous attack, all this bad stuff. And yet no one's basically getting charged. Is it that serious? And then it um, sets a precedent for how this stuff will be treated in the future if folks who do this see the way these people were um treated yeah you could expect they say oh well i guess i'll do it and this is what will happen pretty much nothing and guess what i'll get a lot of attention too and i'll be like a hero
4: in the eyes of these groups well to be honest i the the my last thought on this is that it's really going to look embarrassing for the Biden administration if nothing happens because it once again just continues to fuel the narrative that democrats are weak and they're just too nice and they're not going to let anything like actually or stand on anything. And it's like they
5: keep pointing fingers because the writers said who had the more serious offenses, they blamed it on Trump.
4: <laughs> so it's everyone's pointing fingers at someone. And, else. I mean it is Trump's fault and it is, but my thing is if then Trump if, got if, off, if Joe so. Biden, if President Joe Biden does not and I don't know how that works in the government terms and the legal terms of all this, but there has to be some type of repercussions for their actions, and if this goes by untouched, then what does that really say for the Democratic Party? Does that just mean that, guess what, you can literally do anything to us, or do anything, and we'll, it was not you not just know? to
5: them, it was to both parties, let's be clear, it, it I mean, was but both the, people, the GOP,
4: is, But the GOP is so far gone, there's no way of actually uh, them coming back into a redemption era. They are so far gone, and they don't even know themselves.
5: Yeah, but Meaning, this impacted everyone, and and to say it's a, a partisan issue is it didn't an impact, issue.
4: It didn't impact it, the GOP negatively, in my opinion. It impacted well, their lives. Do, their lives were threatened. Yeah, but no, no one. Those rioters were not there to kill them. Those rioters were not there to like hurt them. Yeah, maybe some of them who were agreeing with you know President Biden and all that, but they weren't there to hurt them. Like they were there to hurt AOC. Like there's just two different things happening here. And so if there's nothing that happens, that is going to be so telling and will Mm -hmm. always have a stain on another stain on, you know, America's history.
5: Yeah. Well, let us know what you think at LGT shows or you can find us on social media. Hit us up. Coming up on the show, are vaccine passports in our future. The latest next on what's trending this hour.
4: Welcome back to the show. Of course, Channel Q on Odyssey. Yeah, but don't steal my shot. I'm going to say something about it a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> uh,
5: and coming up this hour, as Arkansas introduces more anti-trans bills, Lambda Legal joins us to share what's being done to protect the trans community and what we all get to do as advocates and activists in 15 minutes. And who will keep us safe in a world without police? We have got uh, some of the When racers. I said I had a... Uh, coming up as well and how we navigate that conversation. Speaking of which, LA increased their budget for the police force because of an increase in crime. So, definitely want to understand what
4: is being done overall. <sighs> Whatever, I don't want to understand anything. It's honestly kind of uh, disheartening to hear something like that. It's hard
5: because it feels like we keep going in circles, right? And will we ever land at some sort of like obvious clarity around any of this? But anyway, let's get into some what's trending this hour. And CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky got a lot of responses to her impending doom comment. So she decided, you know, to backtrack slash explain.
6: Here's that clip. When I said I had a feeling of impending doom, it is sort of this feeling that I've had surge after surge serving on the front lines at Massachusetts General Hospital um, and and recognizing that right now it's preventable. We know that it's preventable. We have the science to prevent. We, we know what we need to do to stop the uh, to stop the surge. And we would ask everybody to go ahead and do that.
5: You know what? It was a bit dramatic what she said. But at the same time, I wasn't against that. I think a lot of people looked at it as fear-mongering, a fear tactic. But she was being real because in the end we're still not out of this and there is this feeling in many places like
4: we are and that's real but what would they have wanted if um, like would they would have wanted like Donald Trump's way of doing things where he lied to the American people for so long but he knew the the detriment to, that was going to happen and what we're seeing now so like I don't know I, I think it's uh, ridiculous to be quite
5: honest people don't want the tough love or uh, harsh reality that's for sure Now, as more people receive COVID-19 vaccinations, some countries and governments are exploring programs to regulate travel and events in the coming months through proof of vaccination programs. Now... According to multiple reports, the Biden administration is working with private companies on a system for people to prove they've been vaccinated. Health experts have warned against vaccine passports because of ethical issues. And it still remains unclear if vaccinated individuals can or can't still spread the virus. But, you know, we've been talking about this. We saw this coming. Something's definitely going to happen. We've already seen uh, events orga- organizations talk about this, of letting people into the concerts if they've had a vaccine. So more to come on that, but that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
4: So, if you love to watch The Voice, listen up, because there's a new coach in town. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Ariana Grande is joining the hit show, The Voice, replacing Nick Jonas as a coach. A source told Page Six that Ariana is a huge fan of The Voice, and her management team has been negotiating to get her on the show for a while now. Now, if you love Nick Jonas as a judge, uh, don't worry, because guess what? The source also said that he isn't leaving for good. Nick will remain on rotation with other stars that have appeared on the show. The chances are he will probably be back very soon. But Ariana Grande confirmed the news, saying, I'm so honored and excited to join The Voice family. I have been a huge fan of the show for such a long time. I can't wait to go head to head with the incredible coaches, get to know those new artists and help to take their craft to the next level. So I'm I'm excited about this. I think she's going to bring a new demo to the show. But also, I feel like the Voice is a place where celebrities go and let their careers die. What? And then also, really. no one. Can you name one winner of the Voice who has a successful music career? Hmm, Five seconds. No. When's the no. No, no, I'm talking not, about no. contestant. That, yeah, producer Vanessa worked on the mic. Think, she wasn't but. on the mic. Um, contestant. Mm, no. no one knows. So I'm an American Idol. By the way, I could only name the first few seasons. But who cares about American Idol? We're talking about The Voice. The Voice is on season 21. And they can't name one star that has come out of and that. They did
5: more for their own careers.
4: The <laughs> yeah. And the that show is about the coaches, to be quite honest, if you if or you really want to be real his about name's
5: it. Uh, career? Uh, Carson Daly barely had a career.
4: Yeah, so, well, yeah. I mean, he did. Y'all know I'm always spilled yeah. the tea with y'all. Because um, I, I, I have to talk about Odyssey. It's a real quick. If you you know our new home is Odyssey for all the audio that matters to you, download the Odyssey app, type in a u d a c y app today to listen to channel q it's that simple um because we're part of a bigger brand we're super excited about everything that's about to happen the news launched today and honey that is your t report okay well arkansas has passed a bill to ban gender
5: affirming care for trans youth lambda legal joins us as we discuss more next
7: let's go there with shira and ryan channel q
5: the Arkansas Senate passed a bill Monday that would ban access to gender-affirming care for transgender minors, including reversible puberty blockers and hormones. And back with us is Omar Gonzalez-Pagan, a senior attorney and healthcare strategist at Lambda Legal. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me uh, to address this important issue.
5: Yeah, of course. And it's unfortunate that we even need to address it. Governor Hutchinson seems to be very focused on attacking the trans community. What do you think about this latest move?
0: You know, uh, I think this uh, barrage and wave of anti-trans, particularly bills targeting youth legislation, um, shows the lack of moral authority on the right and the uh, unfortunate cruelty, which was this is being uh, done on the backs of children, and exposing them to harm, to real harm um, by negating medically necessary health care that they need.
4: Yeah, could you put in perspective for us, like, is there any data surrounding actual, like, trans kids going on hormones? So
0: we're not even talking about hormones here. Uh, Most of the care that we're talking about is about youth delaying their puberty um, uh, so that they may reach a majority of age and then actually start – other medical care to the extent that it is deemed medically necessary. So we're talking about puberty blockers. Um, This bill really is completely divorced from reality. Yeah. Um, It not just criminalizes the provision and referral for puberty blockers, but the provision of hormones, as well as surgical care, which is usually... Except for top surgery, usually not recommended at all for any minor. And
4: that's why um, I asked because you know so much of the conversation online, especially when you know we're even if we want to put in a kind of celebrity lens, and you're talking about Ziya Wade. So many people's perspective are you know uh, are saying, oh, well, why would a young kid go on hormones? Why is a young kid going through a sex change and all these you know really problematic things when that's not even realistically happening?
0: So some kids, teenagers, when they're uh, older teenagers, they do go on hormones after they've reached a particular puberty stage. Um, uh, and, and there are stages to puberty and, and endocrinologists and uh, healthcare professionals will, can speak to that more. But ultimately, uh, this bill's our divorce from reality. Um, it, it truly not only shows the cruelty, which they are... Um, motivated by, but also the lack of reading comprehension about the studies that are out there, and the uh, lack of understanding of these youth that they are pur- purportedly targeting with this adult. Um Most kids out there who are trans, um, they are simply looking for affirmation about their identity, simply looking to be able to be recognized as who they are, and to be able to have the opportunity to not have to undergo unnecessary surgeries in the future by being able to be on puberty blockers now.
5: Yeah, what Um, can advocates do about this scary uh, and these life-threatening laws right now? Because it it might seem like there's a lack of our ability to do anything.
0: It it does. It does seem uh, bleak. Um, I I, I think people should take note and stock of where we are. Um, This is the first bill. To have been passed in the country, criminalizing um, healthcare for transgender youth, um, we've been able to defeat other our bills, and and even in surprising places. So my my uh, recommendation right now is for people to actually focus and contact um, the governor's office in Arkansas to the extent that they live in Arkansas. Um, he still has not signed this bill, and he uh, and it was just transmitted to him today. There's an opportunity there. And then ultimately to support trans youth and support uh, their families and transgender organizations that are seeking to support all of these kids that are being harmed by this law.
5: Okay, well, thank you again for your work and for being here uh, today. Thank you. That was Amara Gonzalez Pagan, a senior attorney and healthcare strategist at Lambda Legal. Coming up on the show as. As we continue to defund the police and communities continue to do that, who will keep us safe in a world without police? We're going to be discussing that next.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
5: As we look at new models for the police, there are many different theories of what works and what we have seen not work, obviously. Meanwhile, in places like Los Angeles, there was a vote for a $36 million police funding boost because crime has surged. So what's the answer here? We like to look at these discussions and have them here on Let's Go There, of course. Hari Zia joins us right now, author of Black Boy Out of Time, who wrote a very compelling um, statement around this. Thanks for being here.
8: Thank you for having me.
5: Your uh, your work looks at a world without police and prisons. How does something like that get implemented?
8: Yeah, I think in a lot of black families and communities, we've seen this on like a smaller scale already. Um, in my in my life, like my, my grandmother, she struggled with bipolar disorder, and so a lot of of the time, she had mental health crises that um, would in other circumstances prompt a call to police or something like that and so as a family we had to build up other ways of managing those crises um, just because when the police were called it usually ended up exacerbating that and so i think we've already started doing that on a smaller scale in different communities out of necessity and so my vision is just how do we expand that to work on a much larger scale, um, because as you've seen, we have the the way the police interact with things like mental health crises usually exacerbate problems, in, particularly in black communities.
4: Yeah, I think um, you po- posed the question, you know, who will protect us without police? And you said, we will. And I think that's interesting in the sense of, it feels like you're giving, you know, our communities, our people around a lot more credit than honestly they earned or deserved. <laughs> do you think it's realistic to think that, you know, us as a community, as a whole, as this country, not even just black folks, um, do you think it's it's that's they deserve enough credit to be like, oh, yeah, we'll save each other. We'll be here for each other. We'll police each other in a way.
8: Well, I think we deserve credit enough to not be seen as, like, monsters. I think we don't have a lot of the tools to do that right now. Um, A lot of us, you know, are dealing with our own, you know, mental health issues or other issues that might get in the way of doing some of that work. But I think when given the resources and the, the, the imagination to, to exist in a community like that, I think we all have the capacity to do that. I don't think we're, we come out of the womb and are like, uh, I, I don't want to exist with the people who are around me. Mm. Um, but the, the culture that we live in has taught us over years and years and years um, that we can't, do that and so I think we adopt that and that is uh, exemplified in the ways that we behave amongst each other and so um, I think it it takes a lot of deconditioning a lot of unlearning how we deal with conflict but I definitely don't think that it's impossible for us to do that Um, and like I said I've seen it on smaller scales and the way that we interact with people we know um, how 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 impossible is that to to expand that to people that you know we might not know but are still part of our communities i think it's just about expanding our vision of what family means what community means um and then that 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 kind of society becomes possible.
5: Yeah, you bring up so many interesting things. Like, and this was even off my questions. Like, you made me think about, you know, Bhutan. It's the happiest place on earth, and I've I've talked about this. Like, why don't we look at what they do and then implement it here? And then you think, well, the population is much smaller. It does get more complicated and harder when you scale anything like that up. For sure. Um, And and I think that's the inherent issue when you look at um, creating ways of doing things, like in terms of a blanket way of doing things. Everything, every community requires a different approach. That's also the issue.
8: Yes, I think that's a huge issue. And I think one of the reasons that we come up with the problems that we come up against, um, not just with policing, but in general, is that we don't look at the specific needs of communities at the level that we should. I don't think that we have to operate um, that, uh, mil- uh, uh, society um, trying to give millions of people the same prescription of how to interact I think we can take things to a more local scale and and, and, to, and do things within our communities and be led by that um, but it would take reshaping how we think of government and how we um, think of the boundaries between communities in order to do that um, but it's, it's certainly not impossible
4: Right, and I actually want to keep this conversation going because I wonder if the first step is redefining the word safety. And I would love to know your thoughts about that. Uh, So don't go anywhere. We got more Let's Go There.
7: All right. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Harid
5: Ziad is back with us, author of Black Boy Out of Time, who wrote this really compelling article, Who Will Keep Us Safe in a World Without Police?
4: Yeah, and I, I wanted us to kind of think about this in a way where I was like should we be in our first step kind of redefining the how we view and define the word safety?
8: Yeah, and I think that's a great point because I think so much of how we think about safety is so individualist. And so we think about it in terms of like this person who's like who might be a part of my community, but I don't I don't think about community in the sense of like if something affects him then it's going to affect me too, even though that that's like by definition how community works. And so if we think about safety on a communal level, um, it changes things. And so then if there is like someone who um, you might not have as much grace for, for whatever reason, uh, that's not the defining factor how you're going to approach them because you're thinking about the grace that you have for the community as a whole. It's not about this specific person. Um, It's about the safety of this community and what does that look like? Sometimes that might not look like what the safety of just when you're just focusing on yourself might look like.
5: Yeah, and safety for um, white people who live in a white community means something different than uh, black and brown communities, let's be clear, right? Uh, and so that's that's also, like, white people might feel safe with the police, as we've seen, whereas other communities don't.
4: Yeah, because they had no other reason, to Like, th- they didn't have a reason to feel like the police was coming to them because yeah. the police was only killing black and brown folks.
8: Right, right. And so, yeah, for as long as... Um, white people are able to see themselves as someone who's separate from the black people amongst them, and that might be for a very long time, I think their idea of safety and keeping their whiteness safe will always come at the expense of the black people who police mm. operate on the backs of. And so I think in, in order for us to live in a society where we can be um, amongst white people with safety for everyone, um, it would have to be with with them being able to see um, this as an a, a entire community, which I, we're definitely not there yet.
5: Yeah. And, and how do we go from having these, like, really powerful, valuable esoteric conversations, by the way, to, um, t- yeah, taking action around this and implementing these changes?
8: Yeah, I think it shows up in your day-to-day life, and that's why I wrote my book, is because I wanted to show exactly how that happens. Like, It's not just about police out there on the streets and prisons somewhere out there, um, but it's also about how you interact with other people with um, punishment versus healing. Um, policing is rooted in the idea that conflict can be solved by punishment, and abolition in a world without police um, is you approach conflict with the, the idea that things can be healed, and what does that look like? I think that looks different from situation to situation, but you can see that in your interactions with your neighbors. What happens when, you do con- when you're in conflict with your neighbors, when you're in conflict with your family, when you're in conflict with your children? Are you approaching them to try and punish that out of them, or are you looking at this as, like, how do we heal from this situation? And once you start practicing that in your everyday life, I think that a world without police gets a little bit clearer. Mm.
5: Well, thank you uh, so much for your work and for being here. We hope hope to have you back.
0: Yeah, thank you.
5: That was Hari Ziad, author of Black Boy Out of Time. Now coming up, trans star Jazz Jennings is speaking out against the anti-trans bills we're seeing. That's next on What's Trending This Hour.
7: Let's go there with Shira Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
5: Welcome back to the show. And again, Odyssey. Channel Q is on Odyssey. The new app. We'll be talking more about that in a moment, but uh, coming up this hour, for all the night owls out there, experts are explaining why you stay up late. I'm one of those people, definitely.
4: I mean, yeah, for sure. You had a crazy night. You're still recovering. I still smell the tequila. The drag. That's a lot. I smell the tequila over here, y'all. It's kind of it's intense.
5: (laughs) Uh, plus, national, the National LGBTQ Task Force joins us in 30 minutes to talk about a big live stream event happening tomorrow to celebrate Trans Day of Visibility. Yes, yes. So stick around for that. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. As dozens of states consider bills to ban transgender youth from school sports, a TV personality Jazz Jennings spoke out about the time she was banned from playing soccer at the age of eight because of transphobic policy.
1: My name is Jazz and I'm transgender. When I was eight years old, I was banned from playing girls travel soccer.
2: Your decision has taken away a piece of her heart and her parents. Please let her play girls travel soccer presently or let me know what reasonable steps we must take for you to change your position.
5: And, of course, uh, that was a very powerful video that she tweeted, and two years later she was allowed to play when the team adopted a more accepting policy, but it really shows the implications when this happens to someone at a young age. Um, she is now, of course, uh, the star of I Am Jazz, but continues to speak out around the um, trans experience and her own experience as a young person.
4: Yeah, she's been the star of I Am Jazz. Yep. Yeah. It kind of sounded like you. she just started it. No. Well, check her out. I love her. I'm a big she's fan. she's great. She's really, really great. Uh, and, and her brothers are really good allies oh, as well. They're that's really awesome.
5: good. Uh okay. We're gonna talk in the next hour on what's turning this hour. One about uh drama around Representative Matt Gates. That's kind of my out. turn. And also Biden's dog major. Some biting incidents happening. But let's get I'm into some bite you entertainment news right now. (laughs) What's happening, Ryan?
4: Oh, my God. So there is some housewife drama and I am living. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Uh, a cast member, Jen Shaw, she is the main housewife, in my opinion. She was arrested by the feds this morning for allegedly ripping off hundreds of victims in a telemarketing scam. Um, Jen saw in her assistant stewards. Smith are expected to appear before U.S. District Judge Dustin Pede on charges of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and conspiracy to commit money laundering. For which they will uh, possibly face up to 30 years in prison on t- on the top count, according to these court papers. Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent in Charge, Peter Fitzhugh, said in this basically, in this release, he said Shaw and Smith flaunted their lavish lifestyle to the public as a symbol of their success. In reality, they allegedly built their opulent lifestyle at the expense of vulnerable, often elderly, working class people. This story is crazy. I do know that the uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City are filming right now for Season 2. So this will possibly call it all on tape. So I cannot wait for that season. That's your T-Report. And of course, remember, we have the Audacity app. Odyssey. Oh, I called it Audacity. Well, My you people
5: are saying the big th- line is we have the audacity <laughs> to have the
4: app. Yes, Odyssey. I love that. And so today is something's changing. We're now part of a new brand called Odyssey. You're going to be hearing a lot more about it in the coming months and weeks. You know, I'm trying to get used to not saying radio.com. But guess what? Radio.com is now Odyssey.
5: You're welcome. It's that easy. I'm done. Coming up on the show, researchers are explaining why you stay up late when you know you shouldn't. We're getting into that right after this.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
5: There might be more to your staying up late than you think. Alessandra Edwards is with us right now, a mentor, speaker, and author on the DNA of performance. I love this. The science of how our genes can be unlocked for unstoppable vitality and grit.
4: And guess what? She's calling all the way from Australia. Thanks for being with us,
3: Alessandra Hi, great to be here. Thanks, guys, for inviting me.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, I I think this topic is so interesting because in this article, and you've d- talked about this before, researchers are calling this behavior bedtime procrastination, while in bed procrastination, revenge bedtime procrastination. What does this all mean? <laughs> I, I, explain.
3: Well, it's a uh, it, it's, it's a cool. Uh, expression to describe the behavior that humans have been doing for thousands and thousands of years, even before we had Netflix and gaming, to be honest. And the best way to describe it is to to say, you know, have you ever felt like really tired in the evening? You know, you've had a full on day, you get to the evening, and yet you just keep staying up late, maybe mm-hmm. to watch an extra episode of your favorite Netflix series, because you felt you were owed a bit of me time well that's revenge bedtime procrastinating so it's basically this behavior that goes against everything that we know that is going to support our well-being our mental health our energy our performance and we do it because we are kind of wanting to carve back some time to ourselves
4: well here's the thing i think right before bedtime as you're kind of like you know trying to just process and just kind of think about your day you often think about all the things that you kind of went through you, like you kind of replay everything but that also feels like it can stop you from self-regulating your sleep and it can keep you up more because of the anxiety blah 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 how do you kind of figure that out how do you kind of how are you able to decompress but then also not that not let that affect your sleeping patterns
3: yeah um so from my perspective and my particular lens of genetic, the first thing I look at is whether someone has a particular cycle of energy going through the day. Now, we all do a little bit of uh, RBP for short. It's a bit of a muscle, so let's, let's shorten it to that. Uh, so we'll do a little bit of that, but some of us, already have um, an idea and an awareness that we tend to be a little bit of you know what, what I call the rock star type yeah? so these are the kinds of people that wake up in the morning mm-hmm. just uh, wanting to snooze the alarm several all times that like morning is not their best time and so what happens to them at a real biochemical level is that their levels of uh, dopamine, for example, that makes you feel motivated and alert and all of that, actually comes on a little bit later in the day. So already they will know that generally, and they've been like this all their lives, they just feel a bit better in the evening. So that's the first thing to note, okay? Are you that kind of personality? But for everybody, um, what I like to recommend, you know, to my clients is that aim to have those little moments of self-awareness throughout the day, rather than letting them slide all the way as a backlog to the end of the day. Because really, let's face it, all the things that we go through throughout the day, there's just too much to process in the space of 10, 15 minutes at night. And often, uh, if we sort of are in a space where we're not self-regulating very well emotionally, so we're feeling really stressed, maybe there's some hidden frustration or anger or sadness, grief. You know, there's all these really complex emotions that we're all felt in this last year through the, through the pandemic. It's just going to be really difficult to tease them apart, and sometimes we just don't want to do that level of self analysis you know you just want to sit down and you know relax, have a glass of wine or catch a movie. So I think the first thing is be aware of whether naturally you tend to be an evening type yeah that's the first thing and then secondly, um, create some little anchor moments during the day, so when you have your coffee, for example, or you know you're opening up your emails. Just take 10 seconds to take a couple of deep breaths and checking in, how am I feeling?
5: Yeah, and I think just, you know, I deal with this, and it's about knowing yourself and what you really need to succeed, Mm. right? And then also being kind and compassionate if you can't be on target all the time. Uh, So, Ah, you know, for me, it's like, you know, uh, starting eating earlier, a bit earlier, right? Um, and, And like moving my schedule around that and making those things uh, not like things that don't move, right? Like uh, non-negotiables in a way. And because right. for, you can, your goal could kind of move depending on like what situation happens. And when the more you move it, the worse you feel. And so that kind of also continues to move into that space of unworthiness because you keep on not like um, s- move, like you keep on not sustaining your your
3: goals. Yes. You know, it's so refreshing you say that. Uh, as you said, I work in the space of high performance uh, with a number of leaders globally. And um, I'm kind of a bit over this description of high performance as being on all the time and this constant beating oneself up oh my gosh, we have so much going on in the world right now that there's a lot of beating happening already and we don't need to add ourselves. So I'm all for awareness and compassion and thinking in terms of performance or, you know, as a sense of evolution, it's a journey. So it might be that one day, you know, you're kind of ticking all your boxes of self-care and awesome, good for you. And the next day, you might not be able to do that. So just look back and recognise what is one thing that you've done for yourself today, and yep. um, one thing I'd love to add is in terms of the um, you know this RBP phenomenon, is that if you are uh, you know if you start doing this little bit of self introspection and you find that there is really this kind of resentment, yeah, it's like no, I'm I'm going to stay up late because this is the only time I have for me. Schedule in some me time, you know, at the weekend or put it in your diary in two weeks' time. Do sort of like a self-date. Put something in that is going to give you pleasure that's going to, whether it's just Love having a, a beautiful bath or, um, you know, going for a massage, you know, wh- whatever it is. So schedule it in and make time to be with yourself. And
5: I would even, by the way, and we're going to wrap this up, but I would even say sometimes when you know you'll be tired the next day, is it really self-care if you're just going to be hurting the next day? That's something to just leave out there, right? Uh, Thanks again for joining us. Alessandra Edwards uh, is the author on The DNA of Performance. We hope to have you back. Fantastic. Coming up on the show, Trans Day of Visibility is tomorrow. What you need to know and how to celebrate, the National LGBTQ Task Force joins us for that next.
7: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
5: It's Trans Day of Visibility tomorrow. This year, several national and local organizations are holding events to mark the day. Uh, For instance, the Human Rights Campaign, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, and the National LGBTQ Task Force are co-hosting a virtual live-streamed panel discussion tomorrow at 6 p.m. about the attacks uh, being lodged against transgender youth in many state legislators. We've been talking about that, of course, on the show. But to tell us more is Kathy Renna, Communications Director at the National LGBTQ Task Force joining us right now. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Pleasure to be with you. So tell us more about this panel. It's called uh, Fierce, Fabulous, and
6: Fighting for Our Lives. So, you know, as everyone is probably aware, there's a tremendous amount of attention being focused on trans youth, um, whether it's attacks on trans youth at the state level with legislation trying to ban trans girls from participating in sports, uh, some bills, one that was signed yesterday, actually in Arkansas, that are, are really just horrific and harmful, basically banning uh, or allowing, <clears throat> excuse me, medical professions to um, professionals to not treat uh, trans patients. Um, so we really felt like it was an opportunity to do what you know what we're hearing from trans youth, which is not not have them be talked to or talked at, but give them an opportunity to tell their own stories and have a conversation about what their lives are like. I mean, I think that's why the title is "Fierce, fabulous and fighting for our lives because all of those things are happening right now. You know, we're seeing an explosion in visibility of trans youth. We're also seeing unprecedented attacks, both sort of legislative and also in terms of, you know, bullying and, and um, hate crimes and, you know, all of the, the, the family rejection and prejudice that we, continue to see in the lgbtq community
4: yeah and there's so many incredible people involved uh can you tell us uh who's going to be a part of this beautiful panel
6: sure uh we are super super excited um i keep joking like nobody over 30. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and that's really important um you know i i have to say as someone who is definitely way over 30 um, you know, I really, I really hate the canard that, you know, people always say youth are our future. If you come, you know, listen to this panel and participate with us, you'll notice that youth are actually doing stuff right now. Um, so we are super excited to have uh, Josie Toda, who a lot of folks may know as uh, who's an actor and producer yes, um, Who love is her. on the reboot, of a, dating myself again, reboot of Saved by the Bell. Um, and has been in a lot of other films and and was actually on Glee, I believe, Mm -hmm. Um, pre-transition. We also have uh, one of my favorite queer journalists, Kate Sosen, who's the LGBTQ reporter at the 19th. Uh, Kate is going to have an opportunity to do sort of a panel moderation with a group of very diverse young people that include um, the first trans athlete on an NCAA men's swimming team, uh, Shyler Ballar. Um, uh, one of the HRC Youth Ambassadors, uh, Nico Craig, who is an extraordinarily talented DJ. Um, Veandre Mitchell, which uh, even my daughter knew who Veandre Mitchell was because she's a TikTok influencer. She has <laughs> two and a half million followers yeah, on TikTok, amazing. Uh, which is pretty amazing, right? And um, Lala Shanks, who is uh, an extraordinary young woman um, living in Boston, uh, calls herself an artivist. Um, who's activist and artist, uh, and Lala is a, is a trans person who is living uh, with disability and also uh, is autistic and really wanted to sort of amplify these issues of what it is like and for all of the, the panelists, but I think especially for her, uh, you know, living in a world where, you know, your multiple identities impact your, your, your day-to-day life. Definitely. Um, all the time. And, and, are, and people are so rarely given the opportunity to talk about that in a nuanced, complex way with their peers um, and with an audience and be able to answer questions and, and you know, really talk about the issues that, and what's happening in the world right now.
0: Yeah. And where
5: can people watch this and find out more?
6: Well, what you can do is you can uh, just go to, this, uh, to the registration site, which is hrc.im backslash P-D-O-V panel, Transgender Day Visibility Panel. Um, It's free. Uh, It's going to be uh, also live streaming on HRC's Facebook page. Cool. Um, And it's really been a wonderful collaboration. Last month, we did a panel for Black History Month. Uh, We're we're not telling yet what we're planning for April, but we're going to be doing these through June. It's really wonderful, you know, especially with all of the things we're dealing with, whether it's COVID, uh, you know, fighting for the passage of the Equality Act, You know, it's good to have these organizations working together and using our platforms to help amplify and elevate the stories of so many people in our community that don't, you know, always get that chance.
5: Definitely. Uh, Well, thank you again for being with us today. Whatever we can do to support and promote, let us know. Absolutely. Thank you very much. That was uh, Kathy Renna, Communications Director at the National LGBTQ Task Force. Coming up on the show, Girl Scouts have launched a major effort to become anti-racist. What they plan to do next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Girl Scouts, the nonprofit organization, is launching a $500,000 effort to become anti-racist. And uh, it really signals their commitment to racial equality and the cultural significance of publicly declaring that position. But it's also bringing uh, a lot of controversy to the table and critics. I don't know. I'm kind of down with what they're doing. Interim CEO Judith Batty said in an interview that while Girl Scouts come from every walk of life, she would like to see stronger retention for members who belong to communities of color. And guess what? Batty is the first black CEO of Girl Scouts. She said that her own experience in a troop in the 1970s was overwhelmingly positive. Uh, Batty belonged to both an all-black troop and a troop in which she was the only black girl. Uh, So... What's your take on this, Ryan? Uh, because they're actually doing an audit first before actually saying what they're doing. They, they have um, this grant where the money will go to actually auditing the nonprofit's programs, policies, and practices and then coming up with a, a solution.
4: So that's great. But um, I just... I think the one thing that is, like, flags to me is uh-huh. why do people put these large numbers on trying to end, and like, racism, right? I think... The company, you're putting all these resources, which is great. I think it's a good thing. Clap, clap, clap. Applause, applause, applause. Um, But $500,000 is not going to stop you from being racist.
5: I don't think they're solving the uh, problem necessarily. It's a big problem. But these are steps to take to make sure that they do as much as possible. Right? Right.
4: Yeah, but at the extent of like what? What's her name? What, what's the Judith lady? Batty? Batty Judith Batty being the one that has to do the labor to make sure that everyone is not racist. It's like you're putting all the labor on a black woman to make sure she has to to clean this place up when there shouldn't have never been an issue in general. But of course, of course there already, is. Yeah, of course. But I just I think I look at those flags being like. Wh- is it performative? Is anything really going to change? We'll see. Well, what happens? I mean, I'm never—if I ever have a child and, and she's a daughter or whatever—I'm never putting her in Girl Scouts anyway. Um, I'll still eat the cookies. Okay, because I do like the cookies. Um, even though that's problematic.
5: Don't keep the girls. Keep the cookies.
4: Yeah, I, I like the cookies. It's going to be called
5: Scout Cookies.
4: But I, I, yeah, I just, I just wonder. Do these companies think just because they allot some money out? in these plans that that's just going to solve everything of
5: course it's not going to solve everything but something needs to be done and then it's
4: like they they know that like they're on the same wavelength
5: well i think the hope is even though this is also a blanket statement just because it's a black ceo it's you know one um it's not like and we talk about this she represents like the entire black experience however she's doing the best she can to figure something out you love capping for
4: corporations that's the one thing you love to do. What do you mean? You love like just being on the 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 <laughs> side of a corporation. No, I don't. No, 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 it's no. It's no. so weird.
5: Not no. I'm not. I don't even. I'm not even into Girl Scouts. I just think that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I like. I don't. And I don't like every company. You, it's like you
4: love to stick but up think, for a corporation. No, I don't.
5: I think that if there's steps taken, I think it's interesting. And I've been very clear when I didn't think something was cool. Mm-hmm. Just. Say Yang. Uh, Don't hate the player, hate the game. Coming up on the show, (laughs) Representative Matt Gates has been accused of sexual harassment, and he just responded. What he had to say
7: about all of that next on What's Trending this hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
5: Welcome back. And uh, coming up, we're giving you more details on the White House's new measures to counter anti-Asian violence. And as Arkansas introduces more anti-trans bills, Lambda Legal joins us to share what's being done to protect the trans community in 30 minutes. But uh, let's dive into what's trending this hour because there is some drama happening as our show started and throughout the few hours we've been on air. The Justice Department... Is uh, saying that they're investigating Representative Matt Gates of Florida over a possible sexual relationship he had with a 17 year old. What? That is wild. Yeah, but now he's coming out just one hour ago on Twitter. Because he has
4: to. He should be saying something about that.
5: Yes, but right away. I mean, so he said this. Over the past several weeks, my family and I have been victims of an organized criminal extortion involving a former DOJ official seeking $25 million while threatening to smear my name. I mean, this is crazy, right? Uh, And wow, they'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. We have been cooperating with federal authorities in this matter. And my father has even been wearing a wire at the FBI's direction to catch these criminals. The planted leak to the FBI tonight was intended to thwart that investigation. No part of the allegations against me are true. And the people rushing these lies are targets of the ongoing extortion investigation. I demand the DOJ immediately release the tapes made at their direction, uh, which implicate their former colleague in crimes against me based on false allegations. It's pretty crazy.
4: Yeah, I don't know. This feels very weird, very sketch, um, but Matt uh, has some explaining to do, even though he kind of did explain well, some he stuff. he does, but, and then also the
5: DOJ. Like, yeah, this is messy. They all
4: have to explain something, because I don't think investigations are going to happen if something's not going on. Um. Yeah.
5: Well, there wa- There seems to me. I mean, I'm just confused, and I'm sure, <laughs> to be honest, but I'm sure we'll find out more tomorrow. Uh, and... Uh, Definitely reporters are going to be looking into this story at this point. A lot to uh, reveal right now and look into. So we'll be following that definitely on tomorrow's show as well. We sure will. Messy and dirty. Uh, But this is sad. The Biden's dog, Major, has been involved in another biting incident that required medical attention. Two people with knowledge of the incident uh, told this to CNN, who reported about this. It involved a National Park Service employee. It took place on the White House South Lawn Monday afternoon. The employee was working at the time and needed to stop in order to receive treatments from the White House Medical Unit. First Lady Jill Biden's press secretary, Michael LaRosa told CNN that Major
4: is still adjusting to his new surroundings. Well, yeah, imagine being a dog in the White House with all those people working there. You're probably used to staying in your own house where there's really no one there in, like, your own neighborhood and all that stuff. And then people are probably trying to pet this dog. Like, give him some space. He's trying to adjust. Give Major a chance.
5: Please. Free Major. Honestly. I feel feel bad. Uh, However, I mean, it's kind of scary if you have, like, people there and you're you're worried the president's dog's gonna like nip at you well leave the dog alone major nipped someone on a walk
4: well what did that person do i mean dogs know bad energy (laughs) that's that's it he's like the i think they should use energy person they should literally use major as a detector to fire folks if he snaps at somebody because he's only done it twice those Only people twice. are probably bad. I he- mean,
5: I feel bad because in other scenarios they would uh, put the dog down. They're not putting the, the
4: president's dog down. Why would you go to such extremes? I'm
5: saying that's. I always get so sad because people do that after they bite. It's like people either
4: give their. Dog or just go up. to training. He is the he is the White House dog. He is the top of the all dogs. He has a, a dog. spectacular training.
5: I mean, you would think they have enough money to
4: do it. I'm telling you, put it's him, not. He needs his some boot fault. camp. It's not his fault. It's their fault. Okay. They were near him, they put their arms around him, and he just reacted. <laughs> they went in the way from being like to. they
5: were just on a walk, maybe like went no- towards him, to their arms were around I think, him. I you think don't they don't even something.
4: know Ryan. I, do, I believe Major. But, but I'm
5: amazed at how we could debate this topic. I'm going to believe Major at all costs. Major, let us know. Major, actually, his people have not said
4: anything. So well, we don't guess know. what? He'll be on the show tomorrow. <laughs>
5: <laughs> exclusive okay that was what's training this hour what's happening in entertainment news
4: crazy mm. news coming out from a Drake a woman with a knife tried to get at him on his property y'all it's time for the tea report this is happening right now so a woman armed with a knife tried to get into Drake's estate in Canada nope. which I thought you said all Canadians were nice Shira um, nope, basically while Drake was home so the female intruder confronted security outside the superstar's mansion And allegedly hit one guard with the pipe um, before being taken into custody. Yes. So. The rapper, you know, he lives in this huge 50,000 square foot home, and this is where he stays in Canada. It's pretty spectacular. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, the Toronto Police Department said this, a female adult was carrying a knife, has been arrested. She did not gain any kind of entry into the property, um, and there were no injuries. It is not clear um, what she was doing at the residency, but she had no communication whatsoever with the homeowner. So, a Toronto Sun reporter tweeted that the guard had allegedly been struck by a metal pipe during the incident. Um, and if y'all don't know this, back in 2017, a female intruder broke into Drake's home in Southern California where she proceeded to drink his water and soda because that is also the first thing I would do if I was in Drake's home. you like,
5: this is much better water
4: and soda. <laughs> when it's out there. Is this White Claw? <laughs> Is this rich water and soda? Like gold? Yeah, well, we're happy everyone's safe besides the security guard. But to be honest, he's a security guard. This is what's supposed to happen. He's supposed to be like a security guard. Of course. Oh! But I do have some really so cool news. so much compassion. You no, know, I do. I mean, for sure. <laughs> I do have really great news, though, because guess what? Something you may not know is that Channel Q is a part of a bigger company. We are home to the industry's most influential collection of broadcasts and digital, digital content, podcasts, and premium live experiences. I mean, girl, today something is changing. We're now a part of a brand new brand called odyssey you're going to be hearing a lot more about it in the coming weeks and months radio.com is now odyssey we also have an odyssey app if you already had the radio.com app guess what it probably already switched over to odyssey but if not it is spelled a-u-d-a-c-y it is an app you can literally um just download it and listen to us there all you that's all you need to know all the music news sports and podcasts that move you you're welcome welcome to the odyssey the odyssey audacious join odyssey i don't think that's our tagline
5: we created it <laughs>
4: <laughs> anyway all right
5: we're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz queen of the day
4: yes queen
5: imagine you're working at a goodwill okay going through a pile of donations and you find a wad of cash that's exactly what happened to andrea lessing at the goodwill in norman oklahoma She's a recently hired employee who found $42,000 in bills wrapped inside two sweaters. It's the largest amount of cash found in Oklahoma Goodwill history. And, um, At first she thought it was a bunch of books, but then upon further inspection she saw, okay, no, this is cash.
4: Why doesn't stuff like this happen to me? I'm i not trying to make Yes Queen about me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but why doesn't that happen to me? Why don't I go to an ATM and find a million dollars in my bank account by accident? Why don't I find $42,000? Me and producer Vanessa went thrifting to the flea market this weekend. How come we didn't find $72,000 in a shoe?
5: Because it, it's being gifted to or rewarded to people who are doing good, like working at a Goodwill.
4: Screw that. I do good. Not just buying. I do Goodwill.
5: good. <laughs> well, Goodwill was able to track down the owner of the money because of some documents that came with the donation. And the donor immediately told Lessing's Goodwill supervisor to give her $1,000 of the money as a reward. That's it?
4: <laughs> couldn't him, give like him at least five? <laughs> What else are they going to do with forty two thousand dollars? I don't
5: know. What was that? What do you? Why, why did that person have forty two thousand dollars in cash? Just in, in the stuff. I wonder. what's the sweater cute? There's so many questions. Right. It's like you know. Uh, I would not have what... said a word. <laughs> Who the... says something? That is so stupid. Well, because that would have been on her conscience. No, like, it wouldn't. Forever. have. She would have
4: spent her conscience in forty two thousand dollars. I would have never said anything. Is that that doesn't make me a bad person? Does it? Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. I doubt it. Let me know at LGT Show would y'all have kept that money and I said a word in the middle of a pandemic. Well,
5: she said, I just want to say thank you because he was a blessing because she said getting that $1,000. I thought I blessed him, but he turned right around and blessed me. No one else did. He restored my faith that there are really good people out there even through this pandemic. We don't know their situation, so it's better to just be kind. Look at that. Screw this story. Words of advice for everyone, including for Ryan. No.
4: Are you kidding (laughs) me? No one would have missed that $42,000 if she would have put that stuff in her purse and bought that uh, sweater God for like dollars God would $2. have known. The good place would have known or the bad God place. God was giving her a blessing and, said, and God said and It this, was a test. I will never give you another thing. It was a moral. I will never give <laughs> you another thing because how you messed up that bad.
5: It was a moral and ethical test that she you would have up. failed.
4: Andrea Lessing, you made a bad decision. Okay, you got $1,000. What is that going to do?
5: That does it for our yes queen of the day and our show today. I don't think I want to say
4: yes queen to her. I'm actually really upset.
5: (laughs) Well, you know, suck it up. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're back weekdays, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Channel Q. I'm so excited. We have Senator Paul Strauss joining us to talk about D.C. statehood. And he has a lot to say about that tomorrow. Plus the new ruling that could let the suspect in George Floyd's killing go free. We're continuing to cover the trial right here on Let's Go There. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So just go to the radio.com app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There and subscribe to our podcast. We are sending you love and light.
4: And honey, remember to
5: slay. And now stick around for Loveline where Dr. Chris is covering uh, a lot of stuff, including, uh, he has a special guest tonight. Jesse May Paluso from the Sharp Tongue Podcast is joining him for a Q&A about What do you think? Sex. That's next.
0: Bye,
2: y'all.